We are in 1 Corinthians, excited to dive into that. But kind of starting, I want to kind of say this, I don't think it's unique to me, I don't know about you, but I desperately have this need for my life to matter. And I think that's probably common to most of us on some level, we have that sense that we want to have purpose. I mean, you look at this world and you go, man, what is all that about? Like, what is the point of all this? And what is the point of all this? Do you ever wonder that? Or maybe even in the negative way, sit in that place. Like, man, does my life really matter? Like, I know I do stuff. I know there's things I'm a part of. But does my life really have significance? Does my life really matter? I wonder that as a pastor. I'm sure many of you do. And I want to dive into the text this morning because I think it gives us many clues of how to build a life that matters, how to build a life of significance. So we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 5 if you have your own Bible. But as always, I will read from the screen. So please follow along as I read. And we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. It's a longer passage, so kind of follow along. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they may be found faithful. 
said, a little bit longer of a passage, excited to dive into, because I think there are some things that can teach us that we can know how to build a life that matters, a life that is significant. And there are cautions in there, because I want you to be careful. I don't know if you caught it. It's kind of that whole slide that Paul continues to warn us, that there is wisdom in this world, that things that this world makes sense, that we'll hear, but it is foolishness to God. So be careful as you're on this pursuit that I think all of us are on to build a life that matters. It is so easy to deceive ourselves with the foolishness that the world gives us gives us of what really matters. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God that he says. So how can we not deceive ourselves and truly? You know, if you saw kind of the two illustrations, one was agricultural and then architectural. So kind of God's field and God's building. And that's where you get this idea of building. So how do we do that? To have our life that really matters. First, there's three things I want to walk through. First is... I need to know my place. What is my place? Understanding my status. That's a lot of what Paul was doing here, of understanding how do we see Paul? How do we see Apollos? See again, what's the folly of this world? If you want your life to matter, you better be somebody. Right? You know, maybe you're taught in a home where, you know, if you ain't first, you're last, right? And we got to be number one. Talladega Nights, you know, second place, third place, whatever, right? But here's the deal. Everything in this world, we're climbing the ladder, trying to be somebody, trying to have followers. That's what this world says, that if you want to have a life that matters, you better be somebody. As high up the ladder as you can go, as many people below you as you can get, then you are somebody. It's interesting, even in this passage, sometimes we don't feel like we're somebody. So what do we do? Just like them with Paul and Apollos, we attach ourselves to somebody that is a big deal. I'm convinced this is why we're so into sports, right? I need to feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself, and I don't feel like a big deal. So if I can attach myself to a team or something that is a champion, well, then I can feel significant, my buddy always jokes about that sometimes that we say like, oh, we are good at this or we won Sunday. And just for the sake of this story, I'll call him Tate because that's his name. So my boy Tate, he'll always do this like, man, I can't believe we won Sunday. And he's super snarky like, oh, we won? What position did you play? I didn't see you out there. We didn't win, right? He's super snarky. Right? Look, We all feel that need to have purpose. And so we want to attach ourselves to something significant. If we don't feel significant, that's how we get there. Paul totally flips it, right? This world is a big pyramid, a big ladder. We're all trying to get to the top. And as everybody in this world is trying to inflate ourselves so I can feel like a somebody, Paul outright declares, I'm a nobody. My place is insignificant. My place is not being a big deal. It's not being a somebody. It's a nobody. I kind of took one of those videos I saw where people film a plant growing because that's the illustration he used to kind of help us get our heads around this picture of our place in this. Here's what Paul said. He's like, look, that's my job. That's Apollos' job. This is God's job. Right? I mean, you're going to notice a little discrepancy, right? He said... You know, I planted a 
Apollos watered, God gave the growth. Wasn't that cool? See a plant grow? And we all are aware the cool part is God's part. Right? Like the chia part. Like where the thing grows is the cool. You know the David Hasselhoff chia pet? I just saw it looking for that. Like that's, the, even what, that's what we learned from the chia pet, right? You don't really do anything. You just put the seed on, you water it, and it magically grows. Like the magical cool part of our lives are not our part. Nobody watched that video of a sunflower blossoming and goes, whose hand was that in the beginning? Who was that hand model? I think they were a Caucasian hand model. Can I say Caucasian? I don't, like, nobody cares about the dude with the spoon in the beginning. That's Paul's point. He's like, those guys are interchangeable. Those guys, look, if you want to make a big deal about me, he said, I'm insignificant. The one who plants, the one who waters aren't a big deal. One commentator said it this way, because Paul, in this illustration of knowing his place, He used the lowest word for the guy on the farm. He was just a day worker. Maybe we would say a picker. One guy said, Paul is trying to say, look, I'm just like a plow boy or a water boy. And to be fair, when the commentator said water boy, I don't think that's where his mind was, but that's where my mind went, which is totally ironic because many of you lack some high quality H2O right now, right? The water boil thing. But I really think it held up, right? So this isn't what he was pointing to, but I think it's a perfect illustration. He's talking about the guy on a farm who waters. I think Waterboy works perfect and probably hits us more. We gotta know our place and we want our life to matter. So think of a team. Everybody wants to be who? The quarterback, running back. Maybe you wanna be the coach because those guys are the stars. Those are the somebodies. Paul says, I'm the Waterboy. want to have a life that matters we need to stop seeing ourselves and trying to be a big deal paul in this said look i'm a nobody this is an apostle who wrote the bible and he says look i'm not trying to be a big deal paul talking about his place what did he say he said it twice in the beginning and end my place stop building us up i'm a servant If you want to have a life of significance, stop trying to get more people to serve you. That's the world. The higher up you get, the more employees, the more people under you, the more people that you make more money than. To have a life that matters, it's not getting above people to serve you. It's getting below people. It's an upside down kingdom. That's what Paul did. As the world's racing to the top, he raced to the bottom. As the world is puffing themselves up, he pops his own balloon and deflates himself. If you want a life of significance, stop trying to be a big deal and find people to serve, find people to love. That's what Paul did. That's how Paul, the apostle, saw himself. How do we see ourselves? How do we see our place? So if you want to have a life that matters, that's the first thing, to see your place, not as a somebody, but as a servant. Stop trying to gain status and look for people to serve in Jesus' name. That's the first point. So we need to know my place. We need to know our place, but it's also key. If you want to be successful, if you want to have a life that matters, that you know how, that we know how to measure success. 
See, how does the world measure success? Right? At the end of our lives, we look at how much we have accomplished. You know, think of maybe that legacy, maybe, you know, a eulogy. And somebody's eulogy, we talk about a guy that was successful, but that is, I think, very short-sighted. At the end of your life, to see how much you have accomplished, I think there's two dangerous pitfalls as we talk about the foolishness of this world. How we measure success, we miss that, but I think also, secondly, when we measure success. Because I think we can glean a lot to understand what is success. And I want to get past worldly success into significance. What are you pursuing? Do you want worldly success or eternal significance? And he draws kind of a big line between these two. So first, how do we measure success? We kind of see some of that in this passage at the very end. This is how you should regard us. Remember, this is Paul's place As a servant of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. How does God measure success? Faithfulness. And I think this is huge as we wrestle through, is my life significant? Does it matter? The worldly trap that I think we fall into is fruitfulness. How much did somebody achieve? How fruitful was their life? God measures faithfulness, not fruitfulness. God is primarily concerned with faithfulness, not fruitfulness. A steward is meant to be faithful, and we judge that all wrong. Right? Like, it's God's field. It's God's mission. So kind of the hand that you're dealt, the cards that you're dealt... And kind of what fruit comes out of it, think about it, where you start, what you were born with, who decides that? God. I can't determine the hand I was dealt with. Kind of the hand I was dealt and the fruit that comes out of our life. What did we just learn, right? Kind of from that plant, it's God that brings the growth. Who brings fruit? God. So how do we judge ourselves? The two areas that we can't control. We obsess about what we start with. We obsess about kind of the fruit that comes out of it. Those are the two things out of our control. And that's how we determine what is successful. But God is more concerned with faithfulness, not fruitfulness. I think that is huge for us to wrap our heads around, because maybe you look at the field God has put you in, and it doesn't seem to be a very big field. You don't have kind of all these resources, and that is not primarily what matters to God. You're in that place. You're wondering, man, does my life really matter? Like my day is wiping snotty noses. That's what I do. Like, does that matter? Like, I spend a living herding cats. I think my paycheck says I'm a teacher, but like, I I spend my day in one classroom teaching something that these kids were going to forget in a matter of, I would almost say months, but you know, it's like the second that test is over, right? Does my life really matter? Like, in big picture. If you are faithful, 
the foundation of Christ to love in Jesus' name, I pray that you hear me. Your life can matter. Your life can be unbelievably, eternally significant. Anything done in Jesus' name, with Jesus' message for his glory, matters. I don't care how big the field seems. I don't care if it's one kid, one classroom, or an entire country. That is not our business to worry about. But to be faithful in Jesus' name, to share Jesus' love and his message, your life can be unbelievably significant. Your life can matter. You just need to decide, am I chasing worldly success or eternal significance? And if you measure it the way God does, by faithfulness, your life and anything done in Jesus' name to glorify him with Jesus' message and his gospel is significant. Your life matters and can matter if it's for Christ. So we miss how we measure success. It's not about how big of an empire that you've built. It's are you faithful? The famous parable of the talents. Some guys get five, some guys get two, some guys get one. How much we start with, that's not our business. That's God's business. What he does with it is God's business. My business is faithfulness. That's how I want to measure biblical success. So that's how. But I think this is key. We miss in a huge way when we determine somebody's successful. I think maybe at that eulogy, we declare that this was a life well lived. There's some good things to that. Don't get me wrong. But when we measure success is way off. Look at the passage. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. To avoid the pitfall of measuring your success at the wrong time, There is a beautiful and terrifying truth that we need to wrap our heads around. This is important. Some of you have tuned out since the Chia Pet thing. Like, I need you to focus. Do you understand that this day, capital D Day, where we stand before God and experience the fires of judgment is coming? Do you understand, do we wrap our heads around and live our lives in the reality that one day... God is going to torch this whole world. It's going to burn. Do I live my life with the reality that everything that I've invested in and worked so hard for, God is going to flamethrower? Do I live my life in light of that fact that that capital D day is coming where God torches this whole world and everything I've done. It's not until after that fire that it's revealed whether I'm a success, whether I've lived a life of significance. 
See, why fire? You see that kind of, God, I mean, in the Old Testament, God destroyed with water, fire is coming. What do we know about fire? Kind of second to last line, because it is revealed by fire. When fire hits something, it has a revealing effect. We say this in our language, right? You want someone to reveal the truth? What do we do? We turn the heat up. If you want to know somebody that has a genuine faith, find somebody who's been through the fire. It reminds me when I got to visit the Taj Mahal when I was in India. I'd show you a picture, but at that time, I had a glorious Ted Lasso mustache, and some of you aren't ready for that, so I'm not going to show it. It was before Ted Lasso made it cool. I thought it was a joke. I like growing a mustache, but everybody's like, oh, looking good. I was like, okay, I'm keeping it. So, But after we left... See, anytime kind of these big scenes, there are tons of street vendors selling jewelry. And I remember, I can distinctly remember walking around and dudes selling jewelry are going like this. You know, and they're telling me their price. And they're pulling fire to their jewels. The guy who gave me this, I'm like, is that going to be okay if I put a fire to it? Why? Because fire is revealing. They're trying to prove to me that this isn't a fake how do we know if this is not a fake? You put it through the fire. Fire is revealing. And our life, at the end of it, and beyond that, we have to pass through the fire, and it's going to reveal what in our life was the real deal and what was phony, and it's going to burn up. So that day, for all of us, I want us to really think right now, fire is revealing. God is going to hit the fire to everything I have ever done. What is that going to reveal about my life? That's a scary thought. How many things that I've invested in, that I've worked in, in that moment, are going to burn up. That's going to give some perspective. And it's not till the other end of that fire do I really know, was my life significant and did it matter? That's the illustration, right? A building. What passes through that fire? Everything in this world is going to burn up. Everything done in Jesus' name, for Jesus, with his message. What is the foundation which is laid? Jesus Christ. This world's all going to burn up. The only thing that passes through that fire is that which is done with Jesus as the foundation in his gospel. And then we can measure, okay, was my life significant? But we measure it way too early. And this isn't just like a church thing, like, my house is going to burn up. Let's burn it now. Like, of course, we still need to live in this world. And this isn't like everybody needs to quit their job thing. I mean, there are, trust me, trust me, there are plenty of churches and ministries that all the work is going to burn up. It'll be very revealing that it was worldly. It was not done for Christ, in the name of Christ, in the power of Christ. It's not about, okay, I need to quit my job. Maybe the field God planted you in is a Coke plant. Maybe it's a classroom. Coca-Cola plant. That sounded weird, didn't it? <laughs> That's a different field. Get out that field. You know, repent, son. <laughs> I totally lost my place. 
So we need to measure at the correct time and not till the other end of the fire. Then and only then, and it will reveal. So if you just, oh, I'm an electrician, I don't care. If maybe the people you work with, that's your field that God put you there so you can share the message of Christ there. So don't measure it by how much success you've had in this world that's worldly. It's going to burn. Pursue significance based off of faithfulness, not fruitfulness. That's God's business, fruitfulness. And let's measure success, not just the day when I die, but when everything I've done passes through that fire, peer past the fire, and then we'll know what was significant. Did what I do, my life really matter. But last, finally, I need to know my place as a servant. I need to measure success and what really matters appropriately, but also have the proper motivation. See, I want to build a life that matters. So what motivates me to pursue and live that life out? Again, back to the passage. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. See, we pursue so much of the rewards of this world. Are you motivated by being rewarded by God? See, we miss the how we get measured when, and we clearly miss the who. Am I successful if this world looks at me and says, I'm a big deal? Listen to me. All the judgments of this world, by and large, are incorrect and inconsequential. It doesn't ultimately matter. Why are you letting the people, this world, be your judge? Be motivated by what God says about you. That is the only judgment that matters. God is not swayed by what this world has to say about you. God has the true and perfect judgment in living for his rewards. Now, this is a tricky passage. Because keep in mind, we're dealing with believers. These are people that are going to pass through the fire. He himself will be saved. These are people that have salvation. They have experienced the grace of Christ. They will spend eternity with him. But then it gets into rewards in heaven. And to be motivated by that, instead of being motivated by what rewards can we receive on this earth, what about being motivated by being rewarded in heaven, in the life after this life, true life? It's interesting, it talks about people getting burned up will suffer loss, and he will be saved, but only as through fire. Like, are you living a life that you just like barely get into heaven? I don't know why I thought of this image coming in like you coming you coming into heaven like Wiley e. Coyote just like wow just crispy like whoa that was close <laughs> this is like a serious thing like judgment and hell and I did that I'm sorry but in a serious level right do you want to live your life and find out all the things you live for just got burned up. Like, obviously, you get the joys of eternity, but none of the stuff you did mattered. It all got burned up. But are you going to live for his reward? And again, 
that's a hard thing to wrap our heads around. So, okay, we're in heaven. How is there degrees of reward in heaven? Like, what does that look like? Are there pearly gates that are pearlier in heaven? Like, does heaven have, like, a public pool and a private pool, and you get, like, the private infinity pool in heaven, as if in heaven, like, we're not going to share? Like, how does that, like, seriously, how does that work? I mean, a world-renowned scholar, Gordon Fee, just said, look, it doesn't specify exactly what those rewards are, but we know they're there. So, it's tricky. We talk about getting crowns in heaven. And what does that look like to be rewarded? I really feel like God gave me some freedom and just really revealed some truth to me that motivated me. So you got some wily coyote Christians. They're like, you're barely getting in. You can live that way. I would not recommend it. So how do I want to be motivated? I want to be motivated that after I pass through that fire, that I'm not alone. That in that moment, I don't come through just me. I, in that moment, want to be motivated by the fact that I'm surrounded by all the people that I shared Jesus with. Like all the people that God called to himself And he used a messed up person like me to plant a seed, to cultivate and water. I think, obviously, the applause of God. Well done. I want to live by hearing the approval of God and not man. But also, I want to be rewarded by that fact of that moment that I celebrate that I'm not alone. That I was faithful to share Jesus and all those people can pass through that fire, those different materials, right? The material of Jesus Christ is the foundation, makes it through the fire. I want to live that famous scene. I think that's a reward. Right? That's the, that's the whole story. My life doesn't matter. It's insignificant. And then he realizes, yes, I didn't have worldly success. But my life mattered. It was significant. What was his reward? The money is secondary. I'm not even sure exactly how the crowns work. But what was the ultimate reward to realize my life mattered? It was significant because I invested in serving people. I want to be motivated by that moment after I pass through the fire. To not be alone. I was going to show the clip. But I would cry. I ain't trying to cry right at the end. But that clip falls short because it is worldly, right? It's just good deeds. And, And a lot of our good deeds will burn up. It is the foundation of Christ, his love, his glory, his message. I want to be motivated by that. I want to live my life for that moment and not before it to pass through the fire. You're telling me your life doesn't matter when your kid comes up to you and says, thank you for telling me about Jesus every day. You're telling me that doesn't matter. I want to live in that moment. Maybe you are a teacher. You have former students coming up to you and said, I was a punk, but you planted seeds of the gospel. I came to him later in life because you pointed to him. And he's there at that moment and you celebrate for all of eternity. 
I want to live for that. I want to be surrounded by the people that somehow I got to play. And again, remember my place. I'm not the significant one. But God used me to plant a seed for Christ. And I think that's quite the motivation to have that moment be surrounded by all those that God used me to play a part, that I got to serve him in that way. We need to know our place. If you want to have a life that matters, stop trying to be a big deal and get to the top. Be a servant. Live at the bottom and not have status. But I want you to measure success in the right way. It's not worldly success. It's eternal significance. It's not fruitfulness. It's faithfulness. And I want to live for that moment where God says, well done. And I get to be surrounded by all those that Jesus called home and allowed me to be a part of that story. Let's be motivated by that to live a life that's significant. You bow your heads and pray with me. Father, I do want our lives to matter, God. I don't want to invest an entire life that's all going to just burn up one day. God, I want to have a life of significance, a life lived for you, sharing your gospel. Even as we just said, maybe that starts with just inviting a neighbor to church, sharing our testimony. God, would we build something that matters with the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's in that glorious name we pray. Amen.